the Comics Deserve Better podcast. I am Brian, and with me, as always, are Richard. Hey. And Carrie. Hello, hello. Hey. I was like, do I say something after this? And I guess I do, because I'm kind of leading the show off. So <laughs> I hope you're all doing well. As always, we're talking about indie comics on this podcast, uh, especially today where we're talking about Not All Robots, Eisner Award-winning uh, Volume 1 by Mark Russell, Mike Dodato Jr., Lee Lutfrench, and Steve Kwans. But before we get to that, we're going to hit our spotlights. So I'm going to – I went la- I went first last week, so I want to make uh, Carrie go oh, first. This hello. Week. So um, the spotlight that I chose, I have not read, but I'm actually um, looking forward to it. As you guys know, I only listen to like two podcasts. Um, comics are better. Comics are better. And then the other one is last podcast on the left with um, Ben Kissel, Marcus Parks, and Henry Zabrowski. Oh, will- not to derail you. What is that yeah. podcast about? Because I know oh it's super popular, God, it but I, I so... don't know what it is at all. Chicken. So really quick, they are a horror slash comedy podcast. Okay. Um, they're all... So Henry is an actor slash comedian. Ben is um, a comedian and Marcus is like a musician slash like researcher and um, but also very funny. But um, they do everything from like aliens and cryptids to horror movies to serial killers. They're one of the first really big like true crime specific mm. um, podcasts and They've been on the air for like 10 years. Right, <laughs> right. I, I've yeah. been hearing about them for years and I just Super. never took the time. If you listen to episodes from like 2015 to now, they've vastly improved. They have a research team. Marcus and Henry do a bulk of the research. So basically the episode um, formula is that Marcus does the main research on a subject. Henry does some of the research and then they tell a story to Ben. So Ben plays like the everyman in it and is like asking questions, like finding out the info along with the audience. And so um, it's they're they have they're very blue. They have very inappropriate humor. Um, they used to Henry um, is a gifted actor. And so he used to do a lot of racist caricatures he's gotten a lot of flack for it they they put him in what's called uh free speech jail because um <laughs> like yeah. he'll fuck up and like the like the you know the fans will get mad so he's like okay fine i'm in free speech jail and i won't say anything but like obviously like as the times have changed so have they they've grown they've matured um i'm just i love them um be, simply because i think it's i i like gross humor i think spiritually i'm a 15 year old boy so um <laughs> i like all that shit and, I, it, and it doesn't like bother me at all but like i also love really well crafted research and what how like the the time and effort that they put into their episodes um is like really really good so henry and uh marcus grew up on comic books they're big and they're around our age I want to say Henry's probably the youngest at like his like 37, 36. And then um I know Ben's in his 40s and Marcus is close to 40. I want to say like 37 to like 39 around there. Um, so like around our ages, and so they kind of grew up in the same ways that we did. Um, and they grew up heavily on comic books. So one of their biggest um 
personal passion projects has been uh, the last comic book on the left. And so volume two has come out in June. Um, it is by, it's written by the guys, Marcus, Henry, and Ben, but along with, um, with art by Rick Veach, I believe is his name, and Eli Rahal. Um, mm. I'm sorry, is it? Elliot. Elliot, sorry, I apologize. It's oh, Elliot yes. Rahal, uh, not Eli. And um, it just takes place kind of like in the LPOTL um, like universe where they talk about um, characters that the guys have done over the years. Again, they're comedians, so they've made little like characters and their you know, decade-long career. And it kind of just follows their little universe and all the crazy antics um henry is a satanist so you will see see themes of like satanism and like true crime and horror and all that shit because that's what they all like and so um it looks fun it's irreverent it's stupid it's uh if you're a fan of that show in particular a fan of their network or their various shows like they they would they just embody a lot of like those little quirky, you know, inside jokes that they've created. And so they made it into a, a comic book. And I, and even though like maybe the art style is, it kind of reminds me of like mad magazine art. Um, It's not necessarily like an art style that I'm really familiar with, but just to be supportive of them. And just because I love the podcast so much, um, I'm very much looking forward to it. And if anything, if, if it doesn't jive with me, I will gladly give it to my 16-year-old godson because I found <laughs> out recently he is also a dirty boy, So, which sounds really weird the way I just said it, but, yeah. you know, he's dirty-minded, I guess. He's a 16-year-old like, year Definitely, kid. I'm looking at it online. It's giving me all the uh, Mad Magazine vibes. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure, which is, you know, which is fun. So I'm... Yeah. And if... if if any of our listeners or Richard or I've forced Brian to listen to a couple of episodes, um, give them a listen. If you have not already, like I said, they're not for everyone. A lot of people do not like them and I totally respect that. Um, but the podcasts come and go to be quite frank. And so the fact that they've been able to, um, maneuver this landscape for the past 10 years and, and do a hell of a job, I think that says something to their artistry. And, yeah, no, uh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think they're worth a listen. So um, it's being published by C2, uh, which they do a lot of like um, comics that have to do with celebrities and um, and a lot of music stuff as oh, well. Fine. They they put together a really good book. Um, so if you want like quality of like publishing and like paper and all that stuff as well, you can pretty much be guaranteed. Um, I know that they have packages like. From like nine dollars or nineteen dollars to a hundred dollars, and like those hundred dollar packages, you know, that does sound like a lot for a comic, but it comes with a bunch of stuff because that's what Z2's kind of thing was for. Is that it's just having like packages of like a whole bunch of really neat stuff. So if you're really into them, I would definitely recommend um, maybe looking into the, the more expensive tiers or just do what you can regarding yeah. spending. Yeah. But um, Ellie Rahal. Um, there's a book we haven't done yet in the podcast called Hot Lunch Special that he wrote a few years ago that I really loved. So I'm definitely in the camp of uh, of his when it comes to uh, promoting him. So um, even even if I'm not a huge fan of last podcast on the left, it's a hey support Ellie Berhal. It's awesome. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nice. Okay. So 
Richard, why don't you go next? Oh, that's me. Yay. Yay. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> that was it. So this uh <laughs> this week for my spotlight. Um I looked at a book called Mind Management Bootleg. <laughs> issue one um it's mine uh mgmt we could only assume that's you know for management but it's by matt kent matt kent and uh or is it kind I, I see never... okay so and pharrell dalrymple <laughs> so first of all this book uh you have to read the uh i guess what do we call that page the the first page with uh the creators on it like the splash page like the um i guess yes the yeah. splash page but when you know all the creator the publishing information yeah. you have to read it and if you don't read it it actually in the text admonishes you for not reading it <laughs> oh, <that's funny. laughs> they're like hey we know you probably skipped this or you're a nerd and you read it immediately or <laughs> you read the whole book and now you're coming back here to read this afterwards that's that so sort of funny. deal <laughs> nice but basically, um, when the when the story, you know, when you get the actual story, the page that you just read is being read by the uh, main character Quito, and he lives in uh, uh, Zanzibar, Tanzania. And basically, there was a like a a day called the where is the Zanzibar Natural Disaster Confluence, where they had a magnitude. A earthquake followed mm. by a category five hurricane all at once. Oh, wow. And basically, the city uh, gets completely destroyed. You know, people get killed by the millions. But this organization, Mind Management, comes in and they're able to rebuild and repopulate the city like within a year. So basically, uh, the main character, Quito, he's just kind of going through his day. He has a little pet mouse with them that you know and he he there's a homeless gentleman that you know seems to be like begging and he just gives him a big old wad of money he's trading in uh like high-end uh vinyl to get to get cash but like when he's looking at street signs and he's he like he he has like a, a power of observation where he can observe things better so in the uh the little ad that's at the beginning of the book that Kita was reading it talks about going to the mind management offices and he just kind of wants to go there and he's just like curious and he has a free day so he goes and it's an all white building all white on the inside with one receptionist and the receptionist basically when he gets there is like hey he's like oh I just want to check this out he's, and the receptionist is like you've been expected actually he goes to an elevator and the buttons on the elevator are triangle box and B so he pressed B and <laughs> basically it's like a, a like a, a guy who looks like you know your middle management drone it's you know older gentleman thinning hair glasses he's in a, a ill-fitting ugly colored suit from the 70s and he's just like rapid fire questioning keto he's just like um you know if there's like like is the apocalypse a lingering concern like he just wants rapid fire answers and he's like um Somebody walks up to you on the street and calls you a liar. What do you do? And he's like, uh, I'm not a liar. And then he's just like, well, like, what's the context? I'm not a liar. And then the guy goes, liar. And he's just so shocked he doesn't say anything. He's like, all right, so your answer is that you would say nothing. So he's just getting rapid fire questions like that. Oh, wow. And then finally, he's just like, 
what is this? And then mm-hmm. the guy's like, no, no, I asked the questions here. And then he's just like, no, but really, what is this? And then the guy's like, all right, go to the next room. And the next room is like, looks all psychedelic and weird. So then he goes to the next room. The next room's just a bunch of different colored doors. Then he goes to the next room and there's like a gentleman that is very, uh, who's shirtless and very uh, Chuck Norris-esque who just starts, a, <laughs> you know, lunging at him and attacking him. And he's dodging the attacks. He's like, dude, what's the issue? I don't want to fight you. <laughs> and the dude keeps coming after him. So then he just kind of puts his arm out. But like the guy's momentum like causes him to like clothesline himself. <laughs> so he's able to get That's away. Sick. And then the next room, basically, somebody wants to put him in stocks, like old school punishment style. And he's just like, and there's knives here. So if you want to get out the stocks, like he's like, I I was in the same situation. And after three days and I was starving, I finally cut my ear off so I could slide my head out. So he's just like, so he's like, that's what Kito basically says, says, fuck that. And he exits out the window, goes down the fire escape. is like, I'm done. But then when he gets downstairs, he goes back inside to the receptionist. He's like, look, I'm not interested. Like, I know I came in here acting like I was interested, but like, don't contact me. I'm not into this. And then the, the receptionist like, is like, oh, by coming back in here and talking to me, you passed the only real test. So, nice. so basically, the, the, the receptionist is like, I'm the eraser. And, you know, this is my management. Then she takes him on the elevator and it's like, so basically my management like <laughs> they alter people's like the society's reality because the truth is too crazy but also like people are ready for the truth mm-hmm. so that's basically what they do there and this is like a training center for like operatives and there's people that are immortal like that can't be harmed and that heal really fast you know there's people that uh that like can record everything like they have indebted memories so they can like record history there's people that can like uh, control you know telepaths and telekinetics that sort of thing and she's like the truth is is that you have an observation ability and that confluence of uh destructions in Zanzibar that wasn't really an earthquake and a hurricane it was a mind management operative who had powers and who just kind of came to the city and destroyed the whole city and uh, Quito is one of four kids that were living in Zanzibar that survived. All of them have their own distinct powers. Hmm. And so she's kind of recruiting him to to, to track the, the other kids down. So, but she's only showing him two of the three uh, potential children. And he's like, well, there's only three, including me. Where's the fourth? And then the fourth person's name is Maru Marlowe. And she was like, under no circumstance, like, nah, you're good. We don't need to find that person. That person's too dangerous. Let's mm-hmm. just avoid them. But one of the people that is, one of the kids that uh, I guess he is opted to look for can like control or talk to animals. And basically a pigeon has been watching her their whole conversation. And then the, the pigeon reports back to the young lady. Nice. And then the young lady is going to warn Maru. And That's awesome. Yeah, it's really it was really cool and trippy, really fun art. Um, like the the this last girl, she lives in a bungalow and it's like everything. There's lions, tigers, bears, oh my, there's deers and fawns <laughs> and boars, like all sorts of animals living with her, and she's gonna uh uh you know, warn Maru. So I thought it was really interesting. Like I 
I honestly, I think I grabbed this book by mistake. I didn't realize it in my pile. It was not something I was looking forward to. And I was just like, oh, well, I think I have this here. Might as well read it for my spotlight. And I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Also, at the end, the uh, um, that kid actually was just like, hey, I put uh, basically he, he shared part of the outline just to see, you know, if you want to just give a background to give a background glimpse of how comics get made. So that's a little fun little read if you want to go through that. Cool. Also, there's a um, a, a comic within the book that's in a uh, Kito's comic co collection called Le Black Chat, Chat, <laughs> you know, Black Cat, Cat. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's kind of you know, kind of like Marvel's Black Cat. She's kind of like a thief or whatever. And there's a a sample issue of that at the end of the book as well. Oh, nice. I don't know if it's going to play cool. into the the larger narrative, but yeah, that no, was really cool book. I look, you know, came out last month, so I guess issue two should be coming out soon. But yeah, I I don't know how this got up in my pickup pile, but I'm very happy that it did. Let's see, it um, sounds like a mind fuck, and it, I sort it, of want to read it. It sounded like you were um you were reciting a Monty Python sketch, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> like like you know going to the business office and all the weird things happening. Like yeah, that's like classic Monty Python, and like but yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, so, uh, also, so the art oh. style for it, I don't want to say it doesn't look very comic booky, but what I want to say, it looks more like an illustrated children's book, but it's not kitty. But if you know, like, like if you look at the artwork, I feel like that's the closest thing that the style that it evokes is just kind of like the style in like a, a mature child's, uh, you know, book, but that that does have pictures. Okay, that makes sense. Very cool. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't look, you know, very superhero comic booky. Even like, you know, it has different type of pan. You know, it has traditional panel layouts as well, but there's also some different type of panel layouts. But it definitely does not evoke, you know, exactly what you expect from your most traditional comic book. That sounds like Kent's art himself. So mm. maybe maybe he found someone that has kind of the same kind of art style as him. Well, I may um, be. Yeah. The um, but um. So you kind of answered my question already. Um, I've uh, so my management. This has been a series that's been going on for a long time. And, oh, has it? And my question, yes, yeah. There's been there's multiple volumes, um, and but but however, my um, my question was going to be like, do you need to have known what what happened in the, lot, the other volumes? Because I've never read any of this either. Um, and um, you basically answered it. No, you don't. You can. This is I guess not because I and thoroughly like, enjoyed it without knowing that yeah. there was more that existed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, I think I think the first volume came out around sixteen or seventeen. I think so. Yeah, it's been it's been around for a little bit. I've always liked Matt Kent, but like, yeah, I I just never I never got around to to picking up this book. Matt and, Kent's another one of these uh, authors where. I know the name, and for I know mm -hmm. that for so many people, I like the name as a seal of quality. I just have not interacted with yeah. a lot of his art, so I don't yeah. know it. But I will come back for more because oh. I thoroughly enjoyed this. We we did it, cool. we did this um as a uh, we did Department H or Death as a as as a spotlight or as a main subject in a previous episode before mm -hmm. we were on the on the show. I definitely recommend going back and checking out Death. It's really good. Okay. Um, it, um, it's like it's like it's like Venture Brothers and like Steve Zazu and just like <laughs> all shit just hitting the fan family drama all of that together um, under under the sea so <laughs> it's really good very um, cool but um, 
So yeah, no, I'm I'm excited because like yeah, I we haven't talked about uh, Matt Kitt in a while, and I haven't read anything by him in a while, and I saw this come up, you know, like when I was looking for books to read, but I'm like, oh, I never read any mind management, so I'm not gonna pick this up. But like, thanks. I actually might will pick it up now <laughs> and just check it out because like like you, I have never read any of this before, and it sounds really good. And when I if I give something a compliment of a Monty Python sketch, that's that's a that's a pretty high compliment from coming from me. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and do my uh, my spotlights. Um, oh, I have two. Oh, You're okay. Did yeah, our dog, just... our dog is on me and he's hurting me. Yes, he's just so cute. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, um, first one is uh, Golden Rage. Number one by Chrissy Williams, Lauren Knight, Sophie Dogson, Shane Hannah Kui, uh, Becca Carey, and Jomet Gill from Image Comics. Um, so because of current events and the way things <laughs> the way things that have been going on, um, you know, it seems that there's a certain sect of people that have really devalued women. <laughs> and don't really think much of them besides their aside from their biological purpose if you know what I mean. Alright Carrie now I need you to argue the other side from Brian go. So I think <laughs> that the best part about a woman is her vagina. <laughs> so and, and and you know with, with, the, with the recent Supreme Court thing um, you know we're, we're getting close to um, what is that that one show with the uh, the, the red uh, cloaks and the white? Oh, cloaks. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale, yeah. So we're, we're you know it feels like we're just like stepping closer to that where you know it's just basically if you the only reason why women are valuable is because they can give birth. I will say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not to malign you, but I will say this: as a woman of color, even though I am lighter skin, and I know that's a privilege for a lot of white women now. They're making the the comparisons to Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time a lot of white women or lighter presenting women have felt the social yeah. uh, burdens and the atrocities that a lot of women of color, particularly black women, have felt for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. I will get off my soapbox, but I I will I will say that because you brought up the analogy. Well, well said. Mm-hmm. I mean, like- I I definitely, from what I know, agree. <laughs> you know, um, so this book um, kind of reminded me in the, in the spot. I, I don't know if you've ever read um, Kelly Sue DeConnick's Bitch Planet. Um, no, the, not yet. Uh, so so basically, that book. Um, any any woman who's basically not considered uh, or is considered rebellious in any way is thrown to a penal colony on a different on a different planet, and so um, and then they basically. Um, getting up and they take over the patriarchy later <laughs> but um, but anyways this so this book golden rage instead is there's an island um, out in the middle of the ocean uh, where if once you cannot have babies anymore and you're a woman you're sent there so this is an island full of senior citizens that are basically given a bunch of weapons and told to fight out fight out among yourselves for superiority so Damn. 
it's been it's been called like a mix between Golden Girls and um, and Fight Club. Uh, so um, this basically the the main story is following this young lady who, by the looks of her, is no older than than like early early forties. But I guess she had er, early onset um, menopause and got sent to this island. She um comes across a kind of like a gang of, of women that are living under a lighthouse that decide to take care of her um they're all like in their 70s and 80s uh, but one of them is like gotta be like, at least like six foot five and jacked as hell and so she's <laughs> the one that goes out into like the into the fields and like and like basically fights um and tries to get you know supplies and goods for everybody um so so basically you know this is um kind of a response of I'm assuming of, of things that have happened. Not maybe not recently because this, you know, it takes a while to make a comic book, but you know, it was easy to kind of see the writing on the wall when it came to stuff like this. Um it's definitely good, you know, good commentary on the value of people, especially women. Um, I also love old old people who kick ass. Like I love <laughs> Once in Future. I don't know if you ever read that, but that's basically an old woman kicking ass comic book and so um this is definitely my my speed because yeah we got a group of like four women just busting heads and cutting up bitches i love it (laughs) (laughs) so um so yeah so you know just kind of um you know this was kind of a a a story center you know um just kind of getting the actual story ready to to be told kind of giving you what's going on in this world but yeah pretty good so far i definitely like the art um you know the the you know like I said the writing is is pretty good. I love I love a good commentary on in the world. So yeah, definitely uh, excited to read further. Um, the second book uh, is Elves number one. Um, that's E L L E, with the in parentheses S. And um, this is by um Aveline Stoker and Kid Toisson. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that's how you, how you say kids' last name. Um, they are French. Um, this is from Ablaze. Um, this is one of their many comics that they uh, they've imported here. I tried to find a translator. Um, could not find who translated this. If anybody, this could have been originally written in English. I don't, not too sure. But um, this is a story about a young girl. Um, it's your it's your basic kind of like teenage drama. Uh, she her name is L, um, which also in French is is she, um, and you'll see why I'm saying this in just a few minutes here, um, the way I talk a few hours, uh, but uh, the um, so she um, starts a new school, you know, um, there's a group of kids that kind of befriend her, she becomes friends with them. There's bullies in the school. It's 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 your it's your normal school drama kind of story, um, but there's something different about L. Um, in her head, I wouldn't say they're different personalities, but basically aspects of her personality all have different, you know, basically are manifested as different individuals in her inside her head. And there's one, um, the, the, they all look the same, and they all have, but the way you can tell the difference between each of them is that they all have different colored hair. Um, the main L that you meet in the story has pink hair. It's the one that's basically in control of the body at the t- at, at this time. There's one that you um, see in the very beginning who has a kind of like a neon blue hair, who is breaking out of a prison inside the head, 
and so she she breaks out um due to all the bad shit that's going on in Elle's life. Um and she wants to take over as the main aspect of the personality, but she knows she can't do it right away. So she's actually manipulating the other aspects of the personality to come out at the wrong time. So basically to make Elle's life worse. Um so that she can finally she can basically become the dominant personality. Um like at the end of the comic, uh when um they're they're a gym and you know they're playing volleyball and you know they're they're the nerdy kids and they're getting you know their butts kicked and like balls hit at them and everything like that so the 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 evil formerly imprisoned i'm just guessing evil l um <laughs> pushes forward this blonde version of l which is um the super super competitive version and she basically takes over the volleyball game and just like like just destroys everybody, including her own friends. Um, so so you just kind of make matters worse. Um, what's cool is like when when a when a personality takes over in the real world, um, they um, the her hair her hair color changes as well. So you can tell like who's who when uh, she's um, depending on what hair color she has in the real world, which begs the question: as do people notice that her hair color all of a sudden changes out of nowhere? I don't know. It doesn't really it doesn't really say anything like that in in the first issue, but you know, it sounds pretty good. It sounds like it's like Inside Out, um, but um, but but like you know, with the personalities or like the different traits of a personality, but then at the same time, it's like um, like being John Malkovich almost, you know, like because you have these they're they're in control, they can drive in the driver's seat essentially. Cool. So it's pretty cool. Um, very nice digital coloring in this. Um, it's uh, it, it's very crisp. So that is my, very cool. Very cool. My two spotlights for the week. I did not mean them to both to be about uh, young women and old women, but that's just the <laughs> way it is. I guess. I'm Brian right. just loves women. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> let's go ahead and let's talk about our main course. Like I said before, it's uh, Not All Robots Volume 1 by Mark Russell, Mike Dodato Jr., Lee Luffridge, and Steve Wands from AWA Upshot. And this was Richard's choice, so I will go ahead and hand over the microphone to Richard. Yay! <laughs> Yay um, I, I, I only choose uh, Eisner Award winners from now yes. on. Wow. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> not quite but it, it's funny that like it's just like oh yeah and this one like a top award cool yeah. <laughs> but yeah so not all robots um before i even dive into the book there's an addendum at the back of the first issue uh with mark russell yes um where basically he tells you that this book is a direct reaction to the not all men movement, which was a direct reaction to, you know, the the women's movement in 2017, 2018 is basically mm -hmm. where he came up with the plot of this. And the uh, the plot is that it's the future. It's a 2056. And essentially, we've built such good robots that, like, we don't have to work anymore. We've, be, we've made ourselves obsolete. And basically, everyone has a robot in their home. The robot's the breadwinner. And because we screwed the world up so bad, the cities that are left where you have these robots are bubble cities. So this this uh, book takes place in bubble Atlanta. 
and there's like tubes to get out of the city to get to other bubble cities. It's basically how we uh, open up. And one of my uh, one of my favorite little tidbits of this is that they have a uh, you know a CNN Fox News style talk show. It's it, I think it's more like in the vein of like Hannity and the Combs like 20 years ago, mm -hmm. but it's called Talk and Bot. And it's, you know, a, a robot moderator and it's one robot on the other side and a human on the other side. <laughs> and like the, the first subject is human obsolescence. And they just have to debate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they see the, the, uh, uh, <laughs> also the, the moderator's name is Crush Lord. Yeah. All, yes, all robots have like devastatingly <laughs> destructive or evil names there's yes. not one of them that has like a normal name like no one's named robert or anything like that no. <laughs> but, then, but then... basically the the robot argues that humans have op are obsolete and you know the robots have all the jobs except for hairdresser because you know there was in in incidents yes. <laughs> i love that panel yeah it's great um and basically the, 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 the human woman on the other side is just like yeah the world is good but for whom like it ain't great for us like you you know stolen our reasons for being and like we made you guys so yeah. <laughs> and uh but yes the uh the, the so that's the opening but then uh, the uh, main uh the main characters of the book is the walters family donnie the father cheryl the mother sven and cora great names Mm -hmm. And they're sitting around dinner to eat their protein globules because yeah. mm -hmm. that's what they have in this like post-apocalyptic world, where the 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 the, the father uh, Donnie is praying and thanking the Lord for their house bought Razor Ball, who's like the breadwinner. And Donnie is completely in the tank for Razor Ball, and the rest of the family are like, "Yo, what is wrong with you?" <laughs> mm -hmm. And Razor Ball promptly afterwards comes in from work and Donnie's very excited it's like hey raise ball did you have a good day at work no is the answer no is always the answer from razor ball and he walks into the garage and slams the door <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the family's like WTF whereas the dad's like you guys don't understand how hard razor ball <laughs> works to be the breadwinner of this family <laughs> Mm -hmm. and basically Razorball works at a factory where they're created things called mandroids which mandroids are the next uh, like evolution of robots so he is working on the thing that's going to make him obsolete mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we do get a glimpse of uh, Bubble Orlando <laughs> at Disney <laughs> yes. World which looks immaculate in all honesty Mm -hmm. um but yeah so you just have this great debate like the robots are going to work and the humans are just at home but even the robots are dispassionate with what they're doing and even one of razor ball's co-workers is kind of like hey man like revolution like <laughs> it's all revolution talk on the robots end mm -hmm. excuse um, me unforeseen unfortunately you know the robots are robots and they can glitch and some of these robots just murder their families every now and again mm -hmm. and uh cheryl the wife feels that you know razor ball is kind of uh 
you know, unstable. The way that he just comes in and the way he just kind of goes into the, the garage, he doesn't really interact. So she goes to Inhuman Resources where you go to complain about your robot. Which is one by And of course, when she's leaving, she happens to be leaving and uh, Razor Ball and one of his robot friends see her leaving. So he's like, oh, dude, you see they're already trying to replace you. This is the friend that's, of course, trying to stoke the flames of revolution. Mm-hmm. And later on that night, there's a methane glass leak in Bubble Orlando and literally everyone dies in Orlando. So mm-hmm. fucking brutal, that scene. Oh my God. It is. And then when a razor ball walks in, they're like, oh, how was work today? He's like, oh, not bad, actually. Thanks for asking, because yeah. he just saw the news and he's kind of into it. <laughs> so as, as it goes on, there's protests in the streets. The humans are protesting the robots. And, you know, of course, on uh, Talking Bot, there's, you know, huge debates about these things. But uh, not only are the, the uh, humans protesting the robots, but, you know, the robots run everything. So when the robot goes to trial, he is promptly acquitted. Yep. <laughs> like instantly. Instantly acquitted because it's all, you know, an algorithm. Mm-hmm. So that leads to more societal unrest. And at home, Donnie and uh, Cheryl, basically everyone in the house is kind of anti-robot because they're like, dude, like the robots just killed the whole city and, you know, we could die at any time. Like our robot acts weird. And Donnie's whole point is like, guys, like you weren't out here in this workforce. I was. So you don't understand what Razor Ball is going through. He's not a bad guy. He's just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And all the while, you know, the writing's on the wall for Razor Ball. He's getting more and more radicalized with his friends at work, but he's also realizing like, oh, crap. I'm about to be obsolete. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's, he goes to a, a rally. Robot. Yeah, exactly. So he goes to a rally. It ends up being a user-unfriendly rally, yeah, which I- is, you know, basically... <laughs> Like, there's so many things that it's just well done, just, you know, perfect pitch. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, at, at the same time, the kids, uh, Sven and uh, Cora, find out that there's, like, a human resistance. And basically, it's at the hairdressers union because they're one of the few people that still are employed. I love that. <laughs> and, you know, they, they are they, they're, they're starting a counter-revolution because they're like, at any time, the robots, you know, could take us out. And then, so, you know, another day of uh, Razor Ball walking into the room or walking into the house and immediately going to the garage. So Cheryl forces Donnie to go in there and talk to him. And when he goes into the room, he just sees that Razor Ball's just making weapons. Just stop. <laughs> That's what he's been doing for a while. That's what uh, he's been doing for a good little minute. And Dottie, who, you know, again, is an apologist, he yeah. says, oh, he must be in a play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no one believes that. Except for Donnie. No, no. <laughs> no one believes that. Oh, so basically, God. the protests are getting a lot hot and heavier. Um, you know, people want justice for Orlando after the robot got acquitted. And then we get a little flashback of 10 years prior before the bubble city's closed. They go to try to visit Cheryl's uh, mother to try to get her to move into the city. And she's just like, nah, I'm good. Like, that's not how I want to live my life. And as soon as they leave, like, where she was gets, like, firebombed by, Mm -hmm. you know, quote-unquote wildfires. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't know 
if they are, if they aren't. So Omni is the uh, robotics company that makes all the robots. They are based out of Bubble Corpatino, so yep. <laughs> you can see what they're trying to allu- allude to there. That that the guy looks a lot like Jeff Bezos. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. But yes, basically, they're the uh, the five CEOs of what were the biggest companies, like when a society collapsed, and they're just basically trying to figure out how to make it so, like, to take this unrest and spin it as a positive. So with these mandroids that they're creating, the robots in this book, they look like very, they're very Rosie the robot If you're old like us, so you know what the Jetsons are, but they mm-hmm. look like robots. These new mandroids like are going to look like human. Yes, they look like Futuroma Roma, Rama robots. Thank you for, instead of by a 56-year-old reference, to give me a 20-year-old reference. Which is funny because I'm, I'm usually the, the guy doing the 56-year-old references. You're the guy doing the modern yeah. references. It's but. like, Again, we're we're stretching it by modern, but it is helpful. <laughs> we're so old, Brian. It's fine. No, it's it's fine. We're old. It's old. Yeah. We're old. Yeah. We're old. It's on. fine. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, but yeah, so there are these uh, these mandroids that they're creating will look pretty much indistinguishable from humans, and you can customize them to make them look like whatever human you'd like them to. <laughs> so, uh, I just laugh because so, of this joke that's good that's coming up <laughs> so yeah um we do get a little segment where Dottie is talking to his neighbor ray and they're talking about everything about life and what he feels about the robots and like ray's just kind of like nah man life's good like ray is also like ray's like this large strapping like attractive black dude who's like just rippling with muscles mm-hmm. gotta love it so like you could see that and when he says hi to cheryl you could see that he just his existence kind of makes Dottie more insecure than he already is uh-huh but uh yeah ray's like oh yeah no i'm totally down with the robot thing totally gonna get a mandroid and <laughs> you 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 could just see the two the opposite sides of the revolution uh fomenting where uh razor ball is at work mm-hmm. and he's you know he realizes that he's building his own uh his uh his, building his own replacement he even uh his friend tells him to apply for the promotion, a oh. promotion, so he can keep his, you know, have some sort of job after the Mandroids go live. And then his friend actually applies and receives that same promotion that he uh, just told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he his, told uh, Razor Ball about. Mm-hmm. His friend, um, by the way, his name is Kilroy, which is a reference Kilroy. to the to Mr. Roboto by the Six. Oh, by six. oh is Not it? Six. Oh. Nice. Yeah. That that was the name See? of the, the robot in the rock opera. Oh, there you go. Another another very modern yes. <laughs> young person reference. Thank you. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I love that you added that. I, I would have completely missed that. <laughs> but and then um on the human side, the kids are, you know, just seeing more videos about war and they're seeing how they have to stand up. So they're ready for this revolution. Another night, R- Razor Ball comes home and Donnie tries to have a heart to heart with him. And basically just asks Razor Ball, Razor Ball just asks him to go away. Um, so the uh, one of the uh, leaders of Omni shows up on uh, Talking Bot to kind of, you know, help with the rollout of the Mandroids. And it's like, you know, after the incident in Orlando, we were thinking everybody should have, like, all robots should get a less threatening name because, you know, that's <laughs> the issue. It's the name. So our uh, so friend uh, Razorbot is now known as Snowball. 
Because <laughs> that really makes a difference. And what, what's Crusher Bot? Crusher Bot, something else. Oh, Muffin Lord. Muffin Lord. Muffin Lord. <laughs> but yes, they all get like ridiculous names. And then when the Mandroids roll out, Donnie decides, he's like, you know what? Let's get one. But he gets one and it's built to look just like uh, Cheryl's mother, the kid's grandma. Mm-hmm. But it's the uh, cheapest model, so it yeah. glitches and, and goes ads. into ad mode regularly. I love, I love it so that hard. Yeah. And uh, so Ray also gets his own man, this Mandroid, but his Mandroid is made to look just like Cheryl. That's so and, fucked like, up. It's so fucked up. And, and it's like in Cheryl. a bikini and it is vibing. And uh-huh. <laughs> boy, you could just. <laughs> you can just see the insecurity uh, on uh, on on Dottie. Yeah, and the fact that that he even named it Cheryl. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, well, I was gonna say we find out a little find that yeah, out a little bit yeah, later. Little but later. yes, yeah, I love that. <laughs> that was a. But, that was uh, a so now we have a full rollout on the androids, and a bunch of robots are finding out that they are now fired, that they are now obsolete, that they are now useless. Um. One robot who had like a really good job, he gets moved and he just basically gets to tell you whether or not a uh, porta potty is occupied. He, he, what, he was... One thing that's interesting that they did, I don't know if uh, you guys noticed, is that as the, 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 the stakes in the narrative change, the human goes from being one of the debaters on Talking Bot to one of the moderators between mm-hmm. two, ro- two robots. Basically, one is saying, you know, like pro mandroid, whereas the other is, you know, trying to speak up for the uh the, the robots that are being left behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, but there's yeah, basically things are uh things are getting hot and heavy. And at uh the, the hairdresser, it's uh Philippe's the name of the hairdresser, they are ready for revolution. So Cheryl just she's not, you know, part of the resistance, but she can see that things are getting tense. So she goes to 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 razor ball or snowball now. To have a little heart to heart, which she does. And honestly, she, I feel, empathizes with him as best as she can yeah. to no avail. I to think no that, avail. That yeah. was like the most perfect speech to have. Yes, it yeah. was. Like, if there was going to be anything that's going to placate this. Yeah, because her whole point yeah. was like, really, there's nothing I could do, but I just want you to understand where I'm coming from. And like, you know, if shit's going to hit, go tits up, at least we gave honesty a chance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like, I want to work with you. You know, like we can work together. Yes. Like, yeah, you scare the shit out of me, but like, let's you know try. Something. Yeah, like yeah. It's it's so, not gonna, uh, the, it's not gonna help either of us. Yeah, exactly. Like this only leads to our own destruction. So like, let's do our best to work it out. Exactly. And you know, he's uh, you know, I would say he's more responsive than he's been in the past, but like. I think it's we're, we're it's too late. He's too mm-hmm. far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. So the kids are trying to sneak out at night to go to the hair salon, and and basically uh, Donnie's telling them that you know the the hairdressers are anti robot propagandists. They're liars. They want you to think that the robots are violent, and if you go with them, you're going to be in danger. Which Spen's like, well, if their robots are no danger, even if they're lying, why would we be in danger? Donnie's mm-hmm. like, well, he has no answer because he knows that he's incorrect. Mm-hmm. So basically that night, there's a little demonstration. 
but all the unfriendly user robots pull up and they just start massacring massacring people. Mm-hmm. I mean, bludgeoning people in the street. <laughs> it's ugly. And of course, yes. a lot of it's done with the weapons that uh, uh, Razorbot <laughs> or Snowball, Snowball. created. <laughs> oh, so, so then uh, the hairdresser resistance shows up with hair dryers that can, you know, basically fry robot circuitry. And the kids <laughs> are then, you know, Sven, Sven and uh, Cora are in, in the thick of it. So understand. So you know, Cheryl finds out from Donnie that they left the house. So she goes out there to help them, and Razorball is actually the person that delivers the uh, killing blow to 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 Philippe, the the basically so the guy that helped radicalize the kids. Mm-hmm. And then you, you uh, Core is right there, so she is ready to defend herself, and it seems as though Snowball is going to kill her. When Cheryl drives in with the big old tractor and is able to murder him. Yes. And then when it's all said and done, Cheryl, who's not part of the revolution, who was just trying to save her kids, she's the one that gets resi- uh, arrested. Of course. Uh-huh. She's found guilty. And even though she tries to, she makes a very brave plea. Yes. But she's found guilty and she's sentenced to banishment. So she gets kicked out the bubble city. And then we see outside the bubble city that it is a marauding wasteland you know with of course confederate flag or you know or flags in a confederate flag pastiche at the very least Mm -hmm. but if they get too rowdy and they get too close to the bubble city omni just fires missiles and just murders everybody that's out there yep so that's where they've sent cheryl and then after the uh the uh the verdict the kids basically get their shit they're like uh we're gonna go with mom (laughs) <laughs> we're abandoning you, Dad, because like yeah. you're you're a fucking moron. You're kind of a pos, and uh, we're out. And even Grandma but the, the nice thing about that is, you know, since he's going through it, uh. <laughs> Ray comes by, and it's just like, here, man, you can have my mandroid. And then that's when we find out that he also named the mandroid Cheryl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh. so... <laughs> oh my god. Don, so Donnie has his a uh, Cheryl of his very own now. Yeah. Okay, okay. Now I will save all my questions to the end. Yeah. Go ahead. It's so weird. It's, it's so weird. Bizarre. It is. Um, totally Mark Russell. This is like totally hundred percent him. So when so when the kids are out in the wasteland, they like miss their mother. Like I mean, physically miss her. Like they don't cross paths. So what they decide to do is just follow the uh, traveling the bubble tube, just in that direction. Um, they, they, they find, or right when they get out the city, out of that attack, when I told you they, the, uh, Omni people just fired missiles on everybody, everyone died except for a little boy. So like, they kind of bring him in and they're like, you know, we can do it together. Oh, also the, uh, the, the grandmother robot didn't want to stay with Donnie yeah. either. So she also was like, I'm she out, the fuck out <laughs> of there. with them. So grand grandma bot is there with them. I love grandma bot. Yeah. Um, so they meet, they do meet people on the road. They're a little cautious, but, uh, you know, the people are like, oh, do you have anything to trade or anything? They're like, no. They're like, oh, do you want to ride? They're like, nah, we're good on our own. And they're like, we're just going to follow the tubes. Come to find out those people were promptly murdered a little bit further up the road. And they, by, by marauders and those marauders we're waiting for them because you know they they questioned those those folks and knew that they were coming 
and basically wanted to question them, pump them for information before murdering them. But the little boy Tot that they picked up along the way, he's been like in secret, like messing with robotics and was able to build a robot that killed the marauders, but it has Razor <laughs> Razor Ball slash Snowball's head on it, which of course <laughs> freaks Core out, freaks, freaks mm-hmm. the kids out, but like they're like, hey, he's like, no, nah, I wiped his memory. Like, this is the robot you knew. It's a completely new robot. Like, it can't be really held for account. Also, uh, the Marauders killed Grandma Bot, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of say, you know what, F it. Doesn't even matter. Just let him ride with us. We can use the, the, the assistance. And then they keep going until the point that they get to Bubble Orlando, where they do find their mother. And basically, Bubble Orlando is like the first area where people are, they're just like, there's humans, there's robots there. And they're like, we're all obsolete. So maybe we can build a, 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 a thriving society of obsolete people and robots together. And that's the end of volume one. Yep. Which I'm hoping there's multiple more volumes of this. Oh yeah, no, I'm totally here for more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the art of the book is fantastic. The commentary that yes. it's making, like, there's scenes of you seeing Donnie watching a, a talking bot and it's so evocative of people getting radicalized by right-wing news. Like, you know, there's so many things about white supremacy. There's so many things of, you know, with Donnie empathizing with his oppressor. And then there's also with the robots, there's so much to feel sorry for them. Like, you know, when you think of people that are a little bit more conservative, that are, you, you feel on the uh, wrong side of things. I think they are on the wrong side of things. But like, yeah, like no, so the, the society, the government's completely fucked them. Like, yeah, everything's too expensive for them to afford living, and they're totally fucked, and they're looking to blame it on somebody. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, they're they're the ones feeding into this, right? They they feed the machine of their own oppression, exactly. But then they're also looking for something to blame their oppression on. It's mm-hmm. it's just a bad deal for all involved. And and, so long, yeah. As good as this book is, I kind of didn't enjoy reading it because it was far too close to real life. <laughs> and like, it, it just, like, I was just like, oh, oh, yeah. this is like the news invading my safe space. <laughs> so, but gentle listener, before we started recording, uh, Richard had asked Brian and I if we enjoyed the book. And my answer, so eloquently put, was it was depressing as fuck. <laughs> and it, um, I, I think, especially the character of the dad, Donnie, uh-huh. there's just, there's so much nuance. I think if you're a, and I don't mean like the regular, like nuclear idea of family. I just think when you live with, especially um, someone who identifies as like a quote unquote man, especially if they're older um you just see i i mean not i saw my dad and donnie i i saw a just like it's this sad like this overwhelming sadness when a man can't do what men are quote unquote supposed to do and what have men been taught by society forever is that you take care of people you're the provider when they can no longer do that you take away some of their essence 
And I, I, I hope younger generations and our children and our children's children or whatever the fuck, I hope they're able to move past this societal cliche. But I mean, and to be yeah, but very, you, you told these people that they had a very specific purpose yeah, and they don't know how to be coped exactly. being robbed of that purpose. And, and it's just, uh, but like, I, I think that's why it was so sad because I've seen that in my own life personally. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, like Donnie or Donnie, right? Not Danny. Donnie's Donnie done. Yeah, he's such a sad character. And like you, the kids and that whole little family is like torn asunder. And you're just, you feel so strongly for them. And then like, you know, it, it does hit close to home in a lot of weird ways. And you would think that something like this would almost be kind of silly you know, when you think about the premise and it's not, it's so poignant and mm-hmm. it, and it carries such a weighted message. And I think that's why it's, it was a really, uh, and I, I, I steer clear bullshit like this because I don't like feeling sad things. <laughs> I mean, like I can just, dis- I can literally emotionally disassociate myself from like true crime and horror and all that stuff. Like, I, I'm able, I'm desensitized. I can I can distance myself from it for the most part. But like this is just so good and it was so sad. And when Snowball killed Philippe mm-hmm. in front of Cora, and you could hear her voice in a way like, Snowball, why did you do that? Like yeah. I could hear like almost like a 10-year-old kid asking. Mm-hmm. Because even though they've been radicalized into thinking like, yeah, revolution and we're gonna stand up and we're gonna fight our oppressor, they're still children, you know, and there's they're they're children in a literal bubble who haven't been exposed to any other way of life. Yeah. And they're just starting to learn about the injustices of the world. And if they've been with a house, a house person a house robot for 10 years and they got they got the robot when they were little so you do kind of develop even though it's like an abusive situation like a hostile situation they still grow some kind of attachment and so I almost read that little scene in how like 10 year old or maybe seven year old Cora when they first got their robot would have asked Snowball why they just kill someone you know, yeah. I, I just because I, I feel like like where we, when people encounter death for the first time, even though most people don't encounter death in such a gruesome fashion. But like when you encounter death, it, it really does take us back to this very vulnerable, very um, childlike state because you, it doesn't matter how old you are, you are trying to wrap your head around the circumstances that you're in. And I feel like that does bring out like a childlike nature and a lot of people's way of thinking. And so when that happened, I just read it like that and that could be totally fucking wrong. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, like it just little certain. I I, I personally don't think you're wrong. Yeah, I I was just like, oh my God, it's just so, you know, and I tend to not like mother figures in a lot of books, if that tells you anything. (laughs) Um, I like, I, I tend to not like, but like, the, the the problems between Cheryl and Donnie and they had to go to like robot led counseling. Yeah. And I was just like, oh fuck me. Like the, I, I really felt was, for her as a character yeah. because like yeah. she was obviously the strong one, but like she, 
she spent so long through the through the book through the narrative trying to like keep Donnie's feelings like she she when you meet Cheryl she's ready to go she's over all this mm-hmm. yes but she's trying so hard to like you know keep everything together mm-hmm. and I'm just like oh and of course she's yeah. the one that bears the brunt of the uh, punishment at the end of the story it's yeah. like oh but she was working so hard and she's so strong because yeah, like, yeah. she even took her punishment with like d- dignity and grace yeah, yeah like a g she was just yeah. like that yeah she yeah. took the time to like basically say, "Yeah, I know what your conviction is going to be, but I'm going to use this time right now yeah. to basically tell you fuck off." And I'm really sad that she didn't yeah. get really railed by the hot guy across the street. That's yeah. a side scene I wish we would have had in the story to break up all the bullshit. I really, <laughs> really wish they would have had an affair. But yeah, I mean, they, but did it they though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they I don't know. I, they don't say it, but I he's begging that man for it. I think there's no <laughs> Oh yeah. And like answer maybe. And so I'm so to bring up the, the question that I, I I stopped at myself from asking earlier, did the hot neighbor bang Cheryl Mandroid? Oh, I I'm pretty sure don't yeah. understand why he bought that oh, thing like that, unless and, that was his plan. And did Donnie bang Cheryl Mandroid? No, 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 no. no I, so I, I think that the Mandroids are bangable. They don't say that in the story, but I do think that they're bangable. I think the neighbor totally did. And uh, I think uh, Donnie's too cuffed to do so. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, they're like not... he's completely emasculated At in this end, whole yeah. thing. Yeah. At the end, they were in their bed together, but they're not touching each other. It was very uh, 1950s sitcom being in a bed together. I was going to say the only way it would have been better if it was two separate uh, twin side beds (laughs) separated by the nightstand. Cock is my least favorite topic on porn (laughs) Hub. hate that. um, Stupid. Yeah, I mean, science fiction, the initial purpose of it is to basically give social commentary in a way that is easily digestible for people, like and all for both those who don't understand what's going on and, and those that need to understand right away what's going on. And mm-hmm. this that's what this book does. I mean, it's it is a it is a difficult read, but it, at the same time it's funny. So it's not as difficult as it could be. Like the fact that when they when Cheryl is ex, you know like like um excommunicated from the city, it's not like there, she's taken into a door. She's literally put into a tube, like a pneumatic tube, and like yeah. boop, just like out, like and, and like and she lands on a pile of dead bodies. And then, yeah. yeah, and then that is that is a total Mark Russell move. That's like something that he would use, and that's his kind of satire. And um, and, um, and also they don't say it in the narrative, but like you know, uh, the uh, the grandma bot basically is kind of their guide when they want to leave the city to find their mom and grandma bot has a, a layout of the city so she, she takes them to where the shoot is and they're like well none of these are moms so i was just like oh off panel they had to at least somewhat go through all those dead bodies yeah <laughs> or or at least the top layer yeah which is that dark, dark yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <was> very dark <laughs> but um yeah like i mean he mentions that, that that this is basically toxic masculinity you know like that's what the robots represent and um i definitely see that but there's also you know much commentary about um you know cor- corporations 
uh, you know, the, the mention the mention of like, oh, the the reason why these five are are um, are leaders is because they were in the right place at the right time. It has nothing yeah. to do with like, you know, like this weird. They're brilliant. They're just the five, the last five left standing, and they yeah. got there by being at the right place at the right time to begin with. Exactly, and, and it's not like this bullshit story that we hear. Like, oh, Elon Musk is a genius. That's why he's rich. No, he's not. It's because his parents got rich because of apartheid. You know, like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. They owned it. They owned this a South African uh, emerald mine. Exactly. So. <laughs> Meanwhile, if Amazon wants to sponsor this yeah. podcast, no, hey, it's we use Comics on. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but no, but no, yeah, and then, in fact, the guy, you know, and then also there's the, the you know, there's obviously race stuff in here there's there's gender inequality i mean it really everything that like these assholes on 4chan which is in this book it's called Forshine, complain about yes yeah. <laughs> that's is the robot version and oh, the robots so are in are in their uh are in their uh, message boards doing doing the same thing that we do uh-huh. yeah, exactly and and this and this making things happen propagating things that shouldn't happen the way that they think they should. But anyways, yeah, I mean, yeah. I picked up this book um, here. With... Um, Can you hear me now? Now you're coming in now. Okay. Okay, okay good. Okay, here you go now. Okay. Um, we're probably not going to edit that out, so thank you, everyone. <laughs> um, so, um, we're, um, but yeah, we, um, yeah, he, um, you were saying that you had picked up this book originally. Oh yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, thank yeah, you, Richard. I picked up the picked up the book originally when it was first coming out because Mark Russell is one of those names. I mean, um, Wonder Twins from DC is is like a masterpiece. Also, um, if you haven't read that yet, and um, the um, and seriously, um, after the first two issues, I was like, this is going to be a slow burn if I keep reading it monthly. Like I have to wait to, for this all to come out one time so I can read it all at one time because, like, it's funny, it's entertaining, it's a quick read because it's so fast because everything's so fast. But oh, it's making me feel like shit because this is what we're going on. This is what's going on in our real lives at at this time. So yeah, I can see why it won an Eisner. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, the the story itself is fantastic. The uh, art, um. I feel bad for Mike Diodon Jr. He says that he's not good at drawing robots, and he draws so many different, distinct robots yes. that he has yeah. to draw. Like I'm like each one, like they're I want they're all of a similar type, but no, they're all having different designs. And I'm like, damn, that's super mm-hmm. intricate to have to do over and over to create so many. And like you mentioned earlier, it has that total. 50s aesthetic to it but it still has like a modern feel as well you know like the the robot design those robots were yeah. frightening yeah like they were really scary mm-hmm. and yeah and they're very scary looking they look they they unlike the mandroids they look very unhuman they look very yes. roboty i guess is yeah yeah, 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 yeah the you're technical right. term but like for yes. lack of better words like yes they don't they, they look like something futuristic. They don't, or, you know, futurists, what the people in the future or in the 50s thought the future would look like. Yes. Um, and the thing is, is that, but they look, like you're saying, they're very scary, but like some of them aren't um, imposing because there are some that are very imposing that they they walk and they, they're larger and they carry themselves or they're drawn in an imposing fashion. But even the ones that are just kind of like doing data entry 
are kind of terrifying. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's a, a perfect example of the of the analogy of like toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, you see a bunch of bros, no matter how big they are, you know, you you kind of are kind of off put by them. Like, really, like, what are they, what are these bros gonna do? You know, just mm-hmm. because of like how they are. <laughs> well, you know, and to that point, sometimes you don't even have to be a quote unquote bro. You can just be a man mm-hmm. in the wrong place at the wrong time for a, you know, a woman, and you that woman will feel somewhat intimidated if it's just her and a dude yeah. in an in an elevator in a hallway. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but be a glitch. But uh, Carrie, it's not all men. It's not yeah. all robots. Exactly. That's the... <laughs> But no, I think that's exactly what he was going for <laughs> with the title. But yep. you know, it's funny. I kind of read that in a different way because I was just like, oh, this is also, it's funny how we could all have three different perspectives on the mm-hmm. same like character note because it's also kind of like racism. Where Absolutely. it's just like, like, oh, like, no, yeah, no, all black people aren't that way or all his, you know, Latinx yeah. or Hispanic or, you yeah. know, gay people there aren't that way. And it's just kind of like, well, all these robots are going to kill us. Well, no, some of them are just robots, actually. I'm surprised I'm surprised that there, somebody didn't say you're one of the good ones. Like, I, um, I'm surprised yeah. that line wasn't somewhere in the book. Maybe yeah. you thought it'd be a little too hack or cliche or something. Maybe in volume two. Not did. cliche Maybe. when it happens to you. Yeah. You're one of the good ones. Oh, oh I've had that said to me before. Oh, yeah, me too. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. Fact As, that you know what? It's, it's really funny. It's ever since 2016, I have had that said to me more, which oh. I guess that means like I'm a white sympathizer. I mean, I don't know what yeah. that's supposed to say about. Oh, I've me. had that. I, I've had that said. To, I have no. I've every time I have had that said to me is like pre the uh, crazy, crazy uh, racist not being afraid of being out there. Like you know, this is pre 2016. Yeah. Yeah, but I've heard, yeah I've heard that multiple times where they're just like, "Yo, man, you're one of the good ones." I'm like, and every time I someone's somebody, I'd be like, "So what? About, how am I supposed to take that?" Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that makes my my. Like, toes you tell curl. me how that sounds. Yeah, <laughs> that makes my toes curl. So I can only imagine like if that's directed. Well, that just, or... I think that's happened to me more in like since 2016, like in because we live in Southern California. And like, since our area is heavily Hispanic, and then now it's like all of like the racists feel very comfortable being out in public along with the people of color, like the black and brown people. So now they just tell us, I mean, I've, yeah, it's fun. So don't say that. Yeah. What a time. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you just mean all humanity. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it, this this book was an excellent choice. Yeah, it yeah. didn't help Real that nice. I was that I was also listening to um a five part series on Jonestown, and oh. um <laughs> so maybe that also had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like death and destruction was kind of like the theme of the afternoon. So yeah, but it was really good. But yeah, when I read, it, like it's one of those things I put it down. I was just like, oh yeah, I see what this why this won an award. Got it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely totally deserving. Exactly. Um, one thing, I, another thing I wanted to say about the art, just because I haven't gotten to say it here yet, I've been on this soapbox for a while. Yeah, and, and, and it's not just him, but specifically with Mike Diodato, he's been around for I gotta say thirty plus years, and mm-hmm. like I remember reading his stuff growing up, you know, and I always liked his art, but there's something about 
so many of those people that uh, drew comics back in the 90s, it was very bright primary co uh, uh, color, color, colored back in the days. And just his art in particular, I felt like it happened around his uh, Avengers arc maybe five, six, seven years ago. But they use so many more subdued colors, and it just gives his art so much more of a tone and texture uh -huh. that, like, that I appreciate. Like, uh, like uh, maybe I'll show you. I'll send something to you, Carrie. Like, you can see his old Incredible Hulk stuff, and it just looks like a cartoon. It's so bright, it's so big, and it's like if you see just the uh, the the pencils or the the pencils and ink, it's not you know it's it's a similar to his art style now. It's just that the colors were so so different that you just get a completely different feel from it ah mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah the it's his artwork surprisingly in, interprets well in both of those styles mm -hmm. right and also you would expect someone that does big superhero comics to yeah. not be able to do some, a story like this, this but yeah no it, it oh, works wow. so well yeah absolutely yeah. this was a great a great 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 read yeah. Uh, yeah like i found an old avengers cover that shows oh exactly. you did the way Diodato's art used to be, shout out to Carrie. But yeah, um, but yeah, I um, no, yeah, I, 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 I'm like his artwork a lot more now. Like in, in my head, like I kind of had like a sour taste in my mouth uh, when I would think of him because of his of the artwork in the '90s. But now it's kind of become more evident. Maybe it was just the coloring style that caused his art. To look the way I didn't like it aesthetically pleasing, you know, like it wasn't aesthetically pleasing to me. But now, like you know, he's done like Savage Avengers lately, and like and like She Hulk and stuff, and like yes, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. and this book itself too. This I don't think this book would be nearly as good if it was a different artist. Like he yeah. crushes it. Like there's no doubt about it. And so much of it is done with uh, body language because the yes. since the robots don't have real faces you need to use a lot of body language to get across what they mean, you know, what they mean if they're being sarcastic or whatever. And same mm -hmm. thing, like, with every, like, through the art, not even the dialogue, their frustration, the rest of the family's frustration with Donnie is palpable. Their fear of Razor Bowl is palpable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the fact that, like, um, Ray is impossibly handsome black man is palpable. Like, and he knows it too. Like, he knows oh, yeah. so much that he makes Donnie insecure, and, and he's he, just like, "I'm gonna work out on the law." Yeah, and, and call he, Donnie he works over. out in the front yard is is obviously assured of themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. but it's so like he does so much of a body language. But yeah, no, Ray's a dick. Ray's like, yo, I'm <laughs> yeah. crushing this dude mentally, and then like has the audacity to get him. His uh, give him his Cheryl Mandarin as a gift, and Donnie, total loser, doesn't protest. He's just like, thanks. Yeah, because yeah. he he himself is like the robot now. Yeah, really. Yeah, they do make that point in the book yeah. that like he's been so broken that yeah, he's the robot. He's just going through the routine. Exactly. Oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what those five in charge really want at the end of the day. Yeah. Just keep consuming. If you're so busy consuming, you can't see that you're being exploited. Yep, exactly. Oh, I'm so bothered by all of this. <laughs> yeah, no, yes. When yeah. we were having the discussion before the show, I think uh, Brian landed on the word cringe. It's just, yep. it's such a well-done masterpiece of a book, but you're just going to cringe the whole time because it's so real. It's so yeah. close. It's so close to home. Yeah, if you're aware 
at all, even a modicum of what's going, what's going on in the world, then yeah, it's but glitchy. I think the really awesome um, part of the book is that, like me, I, I for self-preservation, and this is going to sound really horrible, but I'm going to be vulnerable in this moment. Um, I have to cut off my consumption of like news and media at some point, like every week, because oh, you should. That's totally your. That's the the healthier tact. I can't deal with it. I know we're going to hell in a handbasket. I'm like got my sunscreen ready for it because I'm like I know we're all gonna die in a fucking fire. But like I, the way I interpreted this book and a lot of it was just again the familial and relationship nuances I mean that struck me like so much more uh, than maybe like the capitalism or the classism or the racism Mm -hmm. takes that you can take or even like the like the gender oppression um it was just so I mean when you I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to explain it without delving into like this psychotic behavior of my own stuff. But like, <laughs> it's just it hit so close with a lot yep. of the things that was going on within the like the family dynamic. Um, but you, to be fair, Brian's not a cuck. So like that wasn't anything, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, like it was just, a lot of it was um, Brian. It just picked up a steak barehanded and is eating it raw. Oh, to show his manliness. Yes. And now he's chugging a beer. <laughs> yeah. You almost made me spit it. Oh gosh. But yeah, it it was um it was really tough to read some of it. You know? Oh, but really brutal. good, really good. Um to, to to your point where you're like you just uh you know, you gotta disconnect from the news. When I'm at work, I work, you know, you guys know, but for listeners, I work at a uh, resort on Miami Beach. And I'll go into a guest room and on a regular basis, like I walk in the news and they have, or I walk into the room and they have the news on CNN, Fox News, whatever. But I'm always like, look, the world is on fire, but you're in paradise right now. It'll still be on fire when you get home. Mm-hmm. So maybe not watch that to kill your experience. Like yeah. that should be the last thing that you're doing. And, it was, and I, you know, learned that from personal experience because I want to say 2017, I'm in Paris and I'm over here watching CNN International because I'm completely invested in what's going on in our country. And so is the rest of the world because they're on, on international news channels. They're just, it's all about us and our fuckery at the time. But then finally I realized, oh wait, I'm in Paris and I'm missing out on being in Paris to, to watch the news. And that's insane. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, so you gotta take the different. time, man. You gotta disconnect it. Like you said, the, the news, news will still be bad when you get back to it. Yeah, don't worry. The world's still garbage fire. Like, <laughs> relax, have some fun. And then if you get back to it and it's not a garbage fire anymore, they're like, yeah, just be a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be there for the revolution. Yeah. Right, right, right. For the moment that it stops you, being a garbage fire, you can reap. You can reap the benefits after you get back from vacation. <laughs> sure, yeah. <There> you go. <laughs> okay. so. Um, a little bit of a choking issue over sorry <laughs> i was so, gonna say is everyone dying over there I hope apparently not. this is coming live from the trach ward i have a um a tickle in my throat sorry it and happens. like once it happens i can't like 
not have like a cough as I a serial copper of this podcast i i totally empathize same yeah all right well um any final thoughts though on book before read the book yeah Yeah, but but like give yourself the grace to have like a nice treat for yourself afterwards yeah it's depressing (laughs) so like maybe watch an adam sandler movie (laughs) you know or like you know oh polly shore your big daddy your your when your wedding singers Oh, so Your biodome. Chairman of the board with Caretop. You know what? Hustle was really good, actually. It's not really, it's a little bit of a comedy, but Hustle was really good. Okay. New Adam Sandler, newish Adam Sandler movie. Oh, okay. I have to definitely check it out. Was it Click? No. Uh, Hustle. <laughs> yeah, Click. Never seen it. I've never seen it. Um, yeah. Um, I've never seen it either. What well, fabulous book! It was a great choice for yeah, but not all field. robots. Really, really no, it was awesome to read. But yeah, well, not all rob- robots. Really good read, kind of a bummer, but really, really good read. Absolutely. <laughs> if you drink wine, pour yourself a bottle of wine. <laughs> pour yourself a bottle of wine. <laughs> yes. Okay, mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, just you know, enjoy it by the candlelight. You know, by the candlelight <laughs> of your post-apocalyptic doom. Okay. So, but uh, yeah. Yeah, very good book. Thank you very much for, for suggesting that one. It was um, a lot of fun to, awesome. to get through it. And that might be it for the episode. So I will go ahead and close this out. If anyone else has anything else. Oh, no, nah, go for it. All right. So we have reached the end of the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, good pods that we are at CDD pod. Uh, book Clubbers Fridays. Keep an eye out on Instagram. You'll find out what we're going to read so you can read along and then email us at better at gmail.com with any opinions or comments that you want us to uh, talk about or read on the podcast uh, web- website where you can uh, request subjects for a feature show is commentsisarebetter.wordpress.com and Richard, where can we find you on the interwebs? Um, I'm at TopCat360 um we're just waiting for football at this point (laughs) the internet is a lot more boring without sports that i really care about so i figure that out every uh july and august that like oh i'm almost entirely on here to to look at sports takes Mm -hmm. so (laughs) like even even though my padres are doing well it's like so yeah i'm kind of like okay let's get this over with like you know Go on. Oh yeah, just baseball season's so long. It is. It's I, I, I I don't get baseball because as a kid it was my favorite sport. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. I fell That's out true. of love with it. And then like even like, you know, every now and again I can gumption up the emotion. But like I just don't I don't know how I loved it so much as a kid. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's, boring. Yeah, it it definitely there's there's some there's some fun stuff about it and there's like you know, like the even like the well, things, like the stats and everything. Like, well, there's some really fun stuff about it. Like the 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 most fascinating thing in baseball for me right now, personally, is that the California or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have two gods on their team, mm-hmm. and they still can't win. It's yep. it's mm-hmm. the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. They hit seven home runs in one game. Still yeah. lost that game last week. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> 
um, if it's you incredible. want, if, if you want the same thing throughout the year, follow the uh, Edmonton Oilers after because Edmonton Oilers have um, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, mm-hmm. which Connor McDavid is indisputably the best player in hockey, and Draisaitl is probably maybe the third or fourth best in hockey, and mm-hmm. it's the same. The team is a garbage fire. They're both really good. Like, how does this happen? And so yeah, it makes yeah. no sense. Like Trout, Otani, and then yeah, Drysaddle and and uh, and McDavid. And with and, Trout, Otani, it's like they have three spectacular pa- players because Otani's going to pitch spectacularly yeah, too. Exactly. It makes, yeah, he's, it's completely mind-boggling that they're bad. He's two great players, and like they've one. been bad for the, what the entire decade that Mike Trout's been there. Yep, exactly. Which is so sad. And he's just been out here being God amongst men on the baseball field. And no, it it doesn't matter. They still suck. Just like Tony Gwynn, unfortunately. Uh, Yeah, way back in the day, absolutely. So, all right. Well, Karen, do you have a non-prof for this week? I don't, but I just encourage everybody to whatever fandom you're in, try to start following um, some creators, like your content creators on Instagram, TikTok, creators of color. Um, there's been a, a big newsflash for Carrie, a big whitewashing of certain, um, fandoms that I'm in. It's not necessary to say what they are, but, um, there are a lot of, uh, BIPOC creators that are amazing. And so I say, whatever fandom you're in, give the, the, uh, BIPOC creators as much love as anybody else, because the algorithm sucks and will show you, um, Mm -hmm. not who you follow. So make sure you favorite them, make sure you like them, you interact with their posts because uh, Instagram pages are getting shut down randomly. And uh, funny enough, how it's a lot of people of color or yeah, or your or uh, LGBTQIA plus. So um, just do that. Yeah. Help help people out. Yeah. And, and that way, because sometimes we don't have the extra money, right? To like give, which is fine. I mean, like, my personal philosophy is like if I have 20 bucks to give to somebody who is panhandling, I will do it. But sometimes I can't. And so sometimes I will be like, Hey, you want some of my, you know, can I get you food? Can I get you coffee? Cause I always have like Starbucks, you know, on like my Starbucks app loaded. The same thing. It's like, if you don't have money to give, which is fine, just sometimes giving them the like, giving them the favorite, interacting with their posts, commenting that really boosts them in the algorithm. They get out to more people and therefore, it helps them, you know, stabilize their business. Those are many of your stories. You know, that's Absolutely. Um, and also, because, like, yeah, I, the, the, the newer change in algorithm, you get more suggested for you content from Instagram, which is not the people you follow, but people they think that you should follow. And that is, I barely ever see any, like, BIPOC or, or you know, like any kind of minority in that it's, and <clears throat> so I've, I, I, I used to just mindlessly like everything. And now it's like, if, if it's something that I don't follow, unless it's absolutely awesome and I'm going to start following them, I don't, I don't like it. You um, know? the, what I'm referring to is a situation that happened with, um, a Disney account that I do not follow, but ended up on my FYP thing. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was all white content creators, like no shade to them. I'm sure they're all amazing humans, but like, there was a big backlash saying like, Hey, you know, like there are a ton of Disney content creators who are BIPOC or AAPI. And, you know, it was um kind of messy in the comments. So 
because of that, I ended up following only like 10 new people and uh, making sure that they were all, especially like women of color. So it was pretty nice. And you, you kind of like boost your own community that way, mm-hmm. which is really cool. I've made a lot of new friends via Instagram, like mm-hmm. just talking to, you know, about Disney because we're all adults and it's sad. Henry Brahas, uh, who, you know, was unceremoniously let go by Oni Press um, during the summer. Um, he's a great creator, a great writer, comic book writer. He's out. Um, he just wrote um, and is now signing uh, Batman Urban Legends number eighteen. Like cool. he's going to shops and signing and everything. So he's, you know, he, you know, he's he's working the streets and he's work, he's doing what he can for himself. So follow him on Instagram too, Henry Brahas. What's his handle? Henry J. Brahas. There you go. <laughs> so so yeah, definitely a cool person to follow. And Brian, where can we find you? Um, Brian underscore cb on instagram i had to read it i can I, I can never have it memorized fairly i'm perpetually 80 years old when it comes to social media oh he'll tell you his password in just a second yes one time social true story i said his pin number or his pin out loud oh really remember remember i was like hey it's and i was like i was actually giving the, the number signs with my hands like yeah. for your pin we were in public and i just didn't realize i'm, one, like, I'm two, an idiot three four happens to the best of us that's yeah that's the code to my luggage not enough bell brooks okay <laughs> all right well thank you everyone for for joining us once again and uh for richard and carrie and brian and this has been the comics deserve better podcast and always remember comics deserve better and everyone deserves comics Bye-bye. bye bye later